Next Saturday marks the nine-year anniversary of the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. Over the past several years, we've heard a lot about the illnesses that have afflicted rescue and recovery workers who toiled at the site, but not nearly as much about the plight of those who lived and worked around Ground Zero. The New York City Health and Hospitals Corporation's World Trade Center Environmental Health Center works with residents, workers, and students dealing with health problems in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. Susan Herr is one of those people. She survived the collapse of the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. She worked as a computer programmer on the 68th floor of the South Tower. Susan is with us this morning. We're glad to say good morning, Susan. Good morning, everybody. Also with us today is Terry Miles. He's the executive director of the World Trade Center Environmental Health Center. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, George. Thanks for having us. Also with us is Dr. Joan Reibman. Dr. Reibman is the director of the World Trade Center Environmental Health Center. Dr. Reibman, thank you so much for coming in. Good morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, we know where Susan was on September 11th, 2001, but I want to get a sense from the two of you, Terry and Dr. Rodman, where you two were on 9-11. Terry, let's start with you. Well, I was at uh, Bellevue Hospital, which is uh, one of the trauma centers of the New York City Health and Hospitals Corporation. And on that day, our role was to be responsive to what was happening. So I was one of the many people who were trying to do just that. Uh, At the time, we had thought that there would be lots of uh, survivors, uh, injured survivors, coming into our hospital. And so we were preparing for uh, that. Uh, Unfortunately, that was not what happened. So we were involved literally uh, around 9-11, 9-11 issues starting on that very day. And what was your specific role at Bellevue at that time? I was an administrative chief operating officer of the South Manhattan Network, which is a division of the New York City Health and Hospital Corporation, and I was based at Bellevue. Dr. Rodman, where were you on 9-11? I'm uh, a faculty member of NYU and uh, a attending physician at Bellevue Hospital and I'm in the pulmonary division. And on 9-11, I was making my way to work. I go across 23rd Street. And I was, like many people that day, late. And I, as I went across 23rd Street, I watched uh, the buildings um, burn. And I had been at Bellevue for the first World Trade Center attack, so I knew that we would be involved. And I um, went to the hospital and, like many people, immediately said, what do we need to do? And we cleared out the hospital. And then we went and waited in the emergency room. And so I spent most of the day ready, willing, and able in the emergency room, uh, like many of the physicians down there. Tell me about the mission of the Health and Hospital Corporation's World Trade Center Environmental Health Center. So this is a program that has taken uh, many years to develop, Uh, really began in concert with the programs for the responders when all of us said very early on, what are going to be the health effects of the people who were involved in rescue and recovery, but also for the people who lived and worked in uh, lower Manhattan. And as you well know, there was a lot of um, controversy over whether there were even adverse health effects in any of these populations. And it's taken a lot of effort on the part of many people to make it known that, in fact, there are people who uh, suffer quite severe adverse health effects, certainly in the responder and rescue population, but also in those who uh, lived and worked downtown. And we began our group really um, very early on in September, October. There was a meeting at Pace University, and many of us were uh, at this meeting from 
Steve Levin, for example, from Mount Sinai and the group there, David Prezant from the Firefighters, and many other people, and I was invited, and realized that, in fact, there was very little information we could give to the population of residents and local workers who wanted to know, was their health uh, in danger? And so out of that, there were a lot of efforts made to develop these programs, and over the years, we've now developed the three programs that are under the city uh, and uh, also under the federal government, and that's for the firefighters, for the rescue responders, and our program for the residents and local workers. Terry, can you tell me more about what exactly you do there at the center? Uh, yes, Sir George, but I'd like to back up just a little bit and talk about the mission of the New York City Health and Hospitals Corporation and how it relates to what we do at the World Trade Center Environmental Health Center. HHC, is the Health and Hospitals Corporation is known, is the largest public hospital system in the United States, and uh, literally one in six New Yorkers gets their care through our system. So it was a natural for us to be responsive on, on 9-11. And at that time, uh, as I mentioned, I was in an administrative role specifically at Bellevue Hospital. Um, but I would add to what Joan also said. As a pulmonologist, she and a colleague of hers, Denise Harrison, within a few weeks after 9-11, uh, asked to use our asthma van uh, to start going into the community to get a better understanding fairly quickly as to what might be happening there from a health perspective. And as, as Joan said, um, we incrementally started to grow uh, from that point. Uh, but my role then and for many years was uh, as an administrator at Bellevue. Uh, in uh, mid-2007, because of how we were continuing to grow and some of the required administrative components of this program, how we relate to the city, uh, to the federal government, et cetera, I moved into the executive director position for those reasons and have continued to have that role. There were really two burning questions. One was, are there adverse health effects in these populations? And two, can we treat them? And in fact, there were uh, developing programs to study whether there were, were problems, but there were very few programs to treat uh, these populations. And there were programs to study the responders, but only initially a program funded by the American Red Cross to treat the responders. And that's when we uh, also asked whether we could have the Red Cross fund a program for the uh, residents and local workers. And that really developed out of a community collaboration with the Health and Hospitals Corporation, uh, and in the beginning specifically Bellevue, but certainly the other hospitals later on. And the reason that could develop is because the public hospitals had the flexibility to say, we don't have to look for a profit here. We can help take care of people if they're in need. And so they had the flexibility for us to start to develop these programs to take care of these populations. Now, as far as whether people did indeed suffer adverse health effects as a result of exposure to World Trade Center dust and smoke, here with us is Susan Herr, who did indeed suffer some problems. Susan? Correct. I, have, I now have asthma. I have respiratory problems. Now, how soon after the 9-11 attacks did you develop symptoms? Almost right away. I had a cough, and I just kept coughing, coughing, and I learned wherever I travel, I bring water and a bag of hard candy because I would just go into a coughing fit, and it wouldn't stop. And it's a dry, horrible, annoying cough. And finally, through the environmental center, I finally came down and was checked out, and they are now they prescribed medications, which has now helped me a great deal, but I am status, which is what I would like to stay at where I won't get any worse. I know I'm not going to get any better, 
but I don't want to get any worse than what I am now. Did you realize right away that this could be a result of your exposure to the smoke at Ground Zero? No, I did not realize it. It took a lot of coaxing from family and friends to go have it checked out, that it could be something from there. I just thought it was just, okay, it's something I got to deal with. Never realized it was from what I had nailed on 9-11. Dr. Rodman, how common is Susan's story? Very, very common. It's very important that people understand and that we get the word out about what are the health effects, what are the symptoms, what do people feel like. And then it's hard for people to make the link that indeed maybe there's a cause and effect there. Also now nine years later, people say, well, I'm just getting older, I'm just getting asthma, or all the things are just happening to me anyway. It is important to understand that people's exposures may result in um, some symptoms. How difficult is it to determine whether an ailment is directly related to the World Trade Center? It's very difficult, and this has been, again, some of the um, problems that we've been faced all along. For example, asthma is a common disease. How do you know if you have asthma that it's due to the World Trade Center? There's no gold standard test that will tell us that. What we do in our program is to say, uh, to take a very good medical history, to do a good evaluation, including lung function studies, x-rays, uh, even if needed, CAT scans, uh, and then ask, is there an exposure? What kind of an exposure? What kind of symptoms are there? What's the temporal sequence of the symptoms? Does this make sense given the many thousands of patients we've now been seeing? And is it probable that this is World Trade Center related? We never can say absolutely definitely, but is it probable? And if so, uh, then let's treat it. Susan, walk us through your experience and how you then found out that your asthma was related to your exposure. Um, fortunately, I worked for a brokerage company in the World Trade Center, and after 9-11, they told us they would like us all to register with the registry so that there was a record of who was there and if something did happen to us, that we would be on record. And we, I did that. That's what I did. And through a lot of mailings from the registry telling me to come down to the environmental center for, like, would I participate in this survey or this type of testing? And finally, one came up, and I said, all right, I'm going to do it because I couldn't take the cough anymore. It was just driving me crazy. And that's when I came down, and I went through a number of interviews to make sure that it was a 9-11 issue. And I got an appointment at the clinic, and... This is where I am today. And what kind that. of what kind of testing was involved? A lung test. Um, I believe they took a CAT scan. They took some chest X-rays. They just asked, and I had seen a doctor on the outside, and they just prescribed some asthma medicine. But I didn't like it, and I stopped taking it because it wasn't taking the cough away. It was just staying exactly the same. I wasn't getting any better with it, and that medicine was making me very hyper and jittery. So I just stopped taking everything, and then I just, that's why I figured I just had to live with this cough. And then finally, like I said, through family and friends, I finally partook in a survey, and I was diagnosed. Is the treatment any different, doctor, for someone like Susan compared to anyone else with asthma? So let's back up to what kind of lung diseases we're seeing. And for the most part, we are seeing what we call irritant-induced asthma, and the treatment for that is very similar to what we would treat for asthma. It takes, as we used to do and still do in our asthma program, a lot of education, perseverance, explanation, 
uh, follow-up visits to really get somebody on target with their treatment and to get somebody to want to take a treatment that initially they don't feel any benefit from. But in fact, usually over weeks to months, people start to feel much improvement and then uh, we'll we'll stay on track and, and work with us and take medicine. So we don't have any new or novel treatment. It's really a matter of, of an approach. Let me back up a little bit and talk explain a little bit about what Susan is saying, that there are now a number of programs, and everybody gets confused which World Trade Center program they're in and what's going on. When she says the registry, she's talking about um, a registry that was developed by the New York City Department of Health uh, and that you had to enroll in uh, very in 2003-2004 to get into it, and it just is a survey. What they have done, however, is follow up and send out information uh, to people in that registry so that those people can seek treatment in the appropriate program, which could either be with the fire department, with the rescue and recovery responder program, or with our program, the World Trade Center Environmental Health Center. Besides respiratory ailments, what other kinds of issues are you dealing with related to World Trade Center exposure? Our experience, which we have gained working with the other uh, treatment programs, is to understand that the main, most common problems people have are respiratory, but by that we mean upper respiratory, sinus, uh, nasal congestion, respiratory, which we would call shortness of breath, wheezing, cough which could be due to asthma, but may be due to other things as well. We also know that systems are not isolated, and so we see a lot of uh, what we call gastroesophageal reflux, uh, what the relationship is we're still uh, studying. We see some sleep apnea. We still don't understand the relationship with that. There are some people who have chronic headaches. We're still trying to understand that, and clearly we're looking at other things as well. These are often associated with um, mental health issues, a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So at this point, for instance, those suffering from persistent headaches, you're not 100% sure whether there are mental health issues as a major factor or whether it could be related to exposure to toxic dust. Is that fair to say? I would phrase it a little differently. I would say that we look at somebody and we put into account everything, exposures, physical symptoms, mental health issues, and we treat them all as a combination. And in fact, when you say, well, is your treatment for asthma different? I might say what it is is that our treatment is really a holistic approach uh, to understanding the combination of mental health issues and complex physical issues. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Boldarki. This morning, we're talking about the health impact of the 9-11 attacks as we prepare to mark the nine-year anniversary of the tragedy. With us this morning is Susan Herr. She's a 9-11 survivor who's now suffering with asthma as a result of her exposure to ground zero dust and debris. Also here with us is Dr. Joan Reibman. Dr. Reibman is the director of the New York City Health and Hospitals Corporation's World Trade Center Environmental Health Center. And with us as well is the group's executive director, Terry Miles. Terry, how many people are you working with now at the center? We have uh, just over 4,850 patients uh, in our program. You know, I've got to add, this population is a hard-to-reach population, you know, and I think for a variety of reasons. I think, for one, frankly, people don't want to be sick from 9-11. They don't want to make that connection. And in a variety of ways, we've tried to let people know that we exist. But even nine years later now, a lot of people still don't know about us. And also Susan is here, and we're glad to say when she said the word status, you know, she doesn't 
want to get any worse, and we don't want that for her either. Um, but she's healthy enough to be with us today, and we're very grateful for that. Many of our patients are not. Uh, you know, that's sort of the range of how sick our patients are. Um, but I would want to mention a couple of things that we're doing right now so that uh, people do know about our program. But we have a subway campaign going on. Uh, you may have seen it already, actually. It started on Monday, and that is ads, uh, sort of vignettes of various situations that people found themselves in on 9-11 and after 9-11 so that it might resonate with someone in their own personal experience and the symptoms, uh, the variety of ones that uh, Dr. Ryman have already mentioned. We are going to have an educational forum on September 15th at uh, CUNY, but they can access that at www.911healthforum.com. So then it's your presumption that there are many people out there suffering with ailments that have never stepped forward to get checked out? I would say that there are many people out there who uh, remain uh, with symptoms, many of them going to their own physicians, and uh, many of the physicians are struggling with understanding how to treat these persistent symptoms. This is an unstudied specialty, obviously, (laughs) so a regular doctor may not even know to probe into that issue. It's amazing how many of us forget to ask, was there even an exposure? Even in our own programs, we have to remind each other, not the World Trade Center program, but in other associated clinics. Can I come back to something that Terry was saying and that Susan was saying, which is very important, that there's a lot of focus on the rescue and recovery workers and their illness, and that's unbelievably critical. Many people, however, who were residents or local workers feel either ashamed because they weren't rescue workers or they haven't made the link or they're embarrassed, as Terry said. And it's very important that they understand that they, too, responded to a need and played an important role and need to seek help and deserve care as well. Susan, did that play in your mind at all? Yeah, because I figured, all right, I wasn't running into the building. I was running out. And whatever happened to me, I was just... I really wasn't going in to be a hero. Terry, what is the process for someone who would like to come to you and seek help? What do they need to do well, specifically? Well, hopefully we've made it very easy. We have a uh, toll-free number that's uh, 277-WTC-0107 or 982-0107. Again, toll-free from anywhere in, in the country for that matter. And also that we do have three sites, and that's at Bellevue Hospital Center in uh, 28th Street and 1st Avenue in Manhattan. On the Lower East Side, Gouverneur Healthcare Service, and then also Elmer's Hospital in Queens. You said you had nearly 5,000 people that you're working with today. Do you ever have to turn people away because there are just so many people that you're working with? No, we, we don't turn people away. Um, you know, we, we proactively staff, as, as Dr. Ryman have talked about, knowing the illnesses and ailments that our patients have. Uh, she's very attuned to who she needs to be working on our clinical staff so that we're ready uh, when people identify themselves as needing care. We're currently funded. Uh, we started from funding from private foundations, particularly the American Red Cross. We're currently funded by the New York City uh, mayor's office and also by uh, CDC NIOSH. And because of that, we're able to to support staff w- we need uh, for both medical and mental health treatment. And you may have heard, uh, you know, it's been in the news about what the funding for World Trade Center healthcare programs will be. And so we're in the mix on that. You know, we're, we're, we're making our case uh, that our program does need to have long-term support Susan, for example, went with us to Washington to help educate members of Congress uh, related to that very thing. 
frankly, there are a lot of people in Congress and even in New York City, for that matter, who don't even know that we exist. And so we have to have people understand who we are, uh, who our program treats, and that we need the funding just along with the responder programs and the fire department. Susan, tell me about your experience fighting on the Hill for funding. (laughs) It was a very educational experience for my side. I was amazed by how many people are forgetting 9-11 and that they really don't think any of us are still here. Like we want to just be like, they want to sweep us under the rug. They want to forget about it. And going there and reminding the Hill that we're still here and we st- this needs to be taken care of. And I think it needs to be taken care of for a long, long time. Why do you think that's the case, that you feel that people are forgetting about folks like you? Because life has gone on and everybody's gone back to their happy, carefree ways. Not saying that you shouldn't, but also to how many people remember like December 7th, Pearl Harbor. When you talk to a younger generation, it's only what they heard in a history book. And where I work, I work at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Some of the cadets call me walking history when they find out that I am a 9-11. I hate to use the word survivor, but right now that's the only word that comes to mind. And I am. I am walking history. You're getting emotional. Yeah. Why are you getting emotional? Because it's something I can never forget. I live with it every day. Some days are good. Some days I don't get emotional talking about it at all. Some days I do. Is it the memory or is it the fact that you're now walking around with this ailment? Is it all of that? Combination of both. Combination of both. Because when I first went down to the hill, I hadn't had my birthday yet. And I had told Terry, I'm 54. What's going to happen to me when I'm 64? Ten years from now, am I going to have to carry an oxygen tank? I don't want to live like that. And that's what I'm worried about. Dr. Rodman, can you answer her question? Um, Not completely, but I can tell you that one of the important points that she's making is that for those who are sick, We know that many people got better, but there are a group of people who remain chronically ill. Uh, We know that clinically from our program. Uh, We know it also from recent studies published in the firefighters, which show that the firefighters who lost lung function did not regain that lung function. That's the bad news. The good news is that many of them stayed stable. So we hope that the people who are ill with lung disease will at least stabilize, uh, even if we can't make them all 100% better. Uh, George, I just want to add to what Susan just said in a very compelling way and why it was important for her and other patients to go to Washington because nobody can tell their story the way they can. And we have to underscore from the very beginning, it was the community, it was their voice that was telling us we're sick. Uh, It was their advocates that came to us, came to Dr. Rodman specifically, and said, can you help us? Will you help us? And that was the very beginnings of how our program began. I'm curious to see if I can get a better understanding of just how much exposure was enough to get someone sick. Susan, for instance, that day, 9-11-2001, how much were you exposed to the toxic dust down there? I was covered in dust, but not as bad as the people that you see on TV that had layers and layers on it. 
When I went home that night, my clothes were covered with dust. My feet were covered in dust. I had cut my leg on metal running out of the building. So, of course, I was breathing it all in. I went from the Trade Center all the way up to 34th Street because at the time I lived on Long Island and I had to commute home. So that whole time that you're running, you're breathing this dust in, but you didn't really, you didn't know how much you were breathing in and who knew what was in that dust. I don't think anybody knows to this day what was in that dust. We're struggling to try to make, when you do environmental work, you like to have a dose-response relationship, uh, and we're struggling to try to figure out that kind of exposure for these populations. It's very difficult. We tend to think of the first day as the dust cloud as a very intense exposure, and we know that that is a risk factor for respiratory, medical, mental health issues. However, we also know that the fires burned through December and that m- not many residents or most residents were, in fact, not evacuated. Most workers returned one week later, and so that there was a continuing exposure to uh, smoke, dust, and fumes through those months. So some of the people that you're working with are people who returned to work may not have been exposed on that day, per se, 9-11-2001, but went back to work and then were exposed over time. Yes, many of them. And again, so there's the intensity of exposure, duration of exposure, type of exposure, and then there's also individual differences within people that make some people susceptible to illness from the exposure and others not, which we really don't understand. You know, just to underscore with the conversation that we were having before, um, you know, this this is a very complex issue to try to assess by doctors who are now experts in World Trade Center healthcare. And when our patients, more and more of our newer patients that are coming in, it's not that they have new illness. Uh, they're just new presentation into our program. And they've tried to get care in the community. Uh, and community doctors don't know what they don't know. You know, it's no fault of theirs at all. Um, but the beauty of these programs, if you will, our program, the fire department and the responder program, is, as Joan said earlier, we now have thousands and thousands and thousands of patients to understand what happened to them and uh, from an exposure perspective, and then how that played out from an illness perspective. Dr. Robin? I want to add uh, a population that we haven't even really talked about, but that's a very important population and that we really don't understand, and that's a lot of the children who were down there, either in the schools or living down there, and there's very little information on those children. We do offer our program for children who lived or went to school downtown. Again, they can call the same number, 877-982-0107. We have a pediatrician, a pulmonary pediatrician specialist. Um, we will also work with a child's pediatrician, so we're not stealing the patient from them. <laughs> that being said, have you encountered children who are suffering with respiratory ailments that could be a result of their exposure? We have a small number of p- patients in our program. Uh, we have some uh, publications uh, documenting uh, an increase in asthma diagnoses in the pediatric populations. But it's a population we don't fully understand, in part because they all have their local pediatricians uh, because children tend to be able to access care more easily than adults. Go ahead, Terry. Well, I was just going to add, we have about 55 kids uh, in our program. And it, we really have tried a concerted effort specifically to let families know that we exist. Uh, we've recently uh, did a collaboration with a community-based organization that's called uh, 9-11 Environmental Action. Uh, along with them, along with coalitions, are trying to specifically focus on the kids 
so that they know we're here and we can learn more about what their illnesses are. What about the unborn? You had a lot of women who were pregnant on September 11th, 2001, living and working downtown. Have you done work with these women as well or tracked the progress of their kids? We have not specifically done that work. There are two centers that have uh, and continue to study that. One was Mount Sinai. I don't know that they're continuing. And the second was at Colum- Columbia, Ricky Pereira uh, group. And they have um, published some material on health effects in these populations, but I think it still is an ongoing question about these children. As far as the fear of getting sick because of exposure to 9-11, nine years later, if someone has not yet developed symptoms, Dr. Rodman, is it possible that someone could still get sick who was exposed that day? This is a question that's on everybody's mind, what we call late emergent diseases. Are there going to be late emergent diseases that we don't know about? And uh, we don't know the answer to that. That's why it's so important uh, to participate in the ongoing studies. The um, New York City Department of Health Registry, which is a longitudinal study, uh, and so we can go back and ask questions about potential illnesses. The responder program, uh, which is also a longitudinal study, and ours, which is sort of the younger program, but also will be longitudinal, uh, and also certainly the firefighters. We absolutely need that information to be able to answer your question. Okay. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that any of you three think we uh, should talk about? I do want to make sure we're saying the number right, because that's the key way for people to get a hold of us. It is a toll-free number. That's 877-982-982. Zero one zero seven. Terry Miles is the executive director of the New York City Health and Hospital Corporation's World Trade Center Environmental Health Center, and Dr. Joan Reibman is the group's director. Thanks to both of you. Thank you, George. Thank you. And Susan Herr, who is a 9-11 survivor. Susan, thank you so much. Thank you, George. And everybody who was there on 9-11, you should call and be checked out. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Next week, we'll mark the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks by taking a look at the hope that was literally born on that day, the babies of 9-11, next week on Cityscape. My thanks this week to producer Andrea McCreary. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.